This is the Servers Radio Network. Welcome once again to a Servers Journey with Rocky DeStefano. Thanks, Larry. I hope everyone listening is ready to walk this journey of leadership with us. Larry, what's the premise of our show? The show is that everyone is leading something or someone, whether you're a parent leading a family, a coach leading a team, a team member leading a few, or just a little CEO leading an organization. That's right. And that's we're all on the same path, Larry, of being a leader. And this is our title, A Server's Journey. You know... <laughs> Uh, it wasn't long ago that we, we had a lot of CEOs come to church, you know? That's right. You remember that? Yes. Christmas Easter-only people, yes. That's right, yes. But i bum I'm sorry, I had to go with that no, one. That's okay, go with it. <laughs> we are coming out of the holidays, so we did see our church attendance spike. Hey, that was fantastic. Last week's show was quite interesting, and you talked about how to identify and hire servant leaders. Uh, I want to thank you for that. That's that's always great to hear. Yeah, and we also want to thank everybody for their feedback because we always like hearing from you. I'm hoping that this week we can kind of better um, maybe put in concrete some of the ideas that we talked about last week. Last week was a kind of a starter kit, mm-hmm. um, but today we're going to be talking a lot more about the subject of hiring, and I thought that today we could continue with steps that servant leadership take to always hire the right person. But first, Larry, we have our favorite segment. Epic Moments in Leadership. Well, this thought comes from Phil Cook's website, Creating Influence and Inspiring Change. And it's why pastors should not be like Joel Olstein. That's right. Phil's response is always the same. You'll never have Joel Olstein's media ministry or platform by copying Joel Olstein. You know, Phil says he actually knows pastors who have tried to hire members of Joel's media crew, uh, bought the same uh, TV equipment, used the same media buyers, the donor development advisors, and other team members just trying to recreate what Joel's success is. That's right. If you can't beat them, join them is, you know, a saying. But the bottom line is that we don't need another copy of a leader that already exists. We need you. We need your original leadership. And we need your unique DNA, your skills, your gifts, your calling, and your purpose. You know, leaders like Jack Graham, Brian uh, Houston, Erwin McManus, Andy Stanley, Tim Keller, Rick Warren, Philip Wagner, and others, they didn't copy somebody else. They developed their own unique leadership style based on the calling of their lives and their personal gifts and talents. So when pastors and leaders are willing to look at their own unique calling, their resources, their vision, and develop a strategy for expanding their message and the ministry, that's when you see the best results. So leaders, managers, team members, God wants to use you, not a copy of someone else. That comes from Phil Cook's website. But, you know, it's funny you you brought this uh, topic up because I just listened to a podcast from Andy Stanley's church, North Point, Mm -hmm. and it was a very talented, really gifted communicator who was doing his darndest to be a clone of Andy Stanley. But the problem was he was failing because he's not Andy Stanley. And I think people can, you know, really see pretty quickly when people are not being themselves. And Mm. he was, it was terrible, but he didn't have a lack of talent. He just was not being himself. And, oh, I've gone through that. Yes. I used to emulate my high school speech teacher. Yes. Oh, did you really? Oh, yeah. That was the way I grew up, you know. And so, uh, 
but I think I finally found my voice yes, about five I, years yeah. ago. I think so. you have your own voice. Okay. Sure. <laughs> hey, it's, we, we're talking about websites, you know. You know, we partnered with ACS Creative in developing our own website. And when it comes to creating a website, you know, it pays to go to the pros. And that's why we went to ACS Creative. That's right. They are a full-service uh, place, without a doubt. I mean, they just can do it all, Larry. They're good at everything from brochures and logos, direct mail, ad campaigns, websites, etc., etc., etc. They don't play games with your money. That's right. We always say that. And, Larry, you can contact ACS Creative on the Internet at ACS Creative. That's ACS Creative. So today, I want you to share about uh, the steps in servant leaders take to hire the right people. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to talk, and, and we kind of borrowed a little bit of this from a article I read that was just, it was pretty stimulating for me for sure. And so... I, I'm a Christian, Larry. I know you're a Christian, too. Right. And we don't always talk this boldly about our faith. But sometimes I think um, certain topics need to really be demand it. Yeah. And, so and today, we should not be afraid to do that. And, and, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So. Okay. so there's a verse in the Bible. It's Second Chronicles 24:12, And it says, They hired masons and carpenters to restore the house of the Lord and also workers in iron and bronze to repair the house of the Lord. So can you imagine those uh, <laughs> interviews? Yeah. I mean, can you, I mean, can you picture, there's probably a little bit of, a little bit of uh, okay, guys get in here. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of pressure there, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, you're going to have all the usual questions. Do you, do you have masonry skills? Are you a good carpenter? Fine, fine, fine. But then far more importantly, uh, you're going to say, how do you feel about building a house for the Lord? Wow, that must be a high standard to look up to. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, um, building back then took, it could take years. It wasn't like now, you know. Right. So you really were asking them, are you ready to commit? To the, yeah. Yeah. So for, for the right masons, Larry, for the right carpenters, it was a perfect start to an interview. They likely felt very liberated. They probably were inspired. They were excited to put their skills to use for a worthy cause. You know, this wasn't just an old house that they were building. They're, finally, there's a real challenge with a noble purpose. Wow, and we're all looking for that, I think. Oh, absolutely. You know, for those people whose values weren't aligned with this project, I, I would imagine that they probably got filtered out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You, know, you ask the right questions, <laughs> and you can easily get a sense if people are aligned with your values or not. All right, you to the end of the line. You just That's did not right. make it. Okay, so Larry, let's talk about this because we talked about how people that aligned with this, they probably were excited and liberated. They felt really moved to a great cause, and it was probably pretty easy to filter out the ones that didn't care. Mm -hmm. So what if we got this bold about cultivating our servant leadership culture? Wow. And I think you can do it. In fact, I think plenty of leaders have already figured out a way to do it, and they use their hiring process, their interview questions, you know, their format of how we bring somebody on as a filter to ensure that people they bring on board are a hundred percent aware of aligned with and committed to the real work of their workplaces, which is multiplying servant leaders. Now, when you do an interview process, you don't just one person interviews, right? You have a multi-step process. Yeah, we do. So we ask weird questions and we'll you know, as we mentioned in the last episode, we're going to be bringing on our talent team to kind of share some of those with you. Mm-hmm. We ask 
very legal, weird questions to try to get a feel for the person. But what we're really trying to get a feel for is, is this person going to be a good fit within our organization? And we talk a lot. In fact, we normally do three interviews. I normally do the last. And my interview, I don't talk, I don't ask questions about what they've done in the past. Um, My job is to clarify and communicate. And, and so you want to hear their story, right? That's right. Well, I want to hear their story. I want to share my story. And I want to talk about our mission statement, which, hey, our mission is to make their story better. Mm-hmm. It's not about chicken. It's not about food. It's about making people's lives better. And you can get a, a, a pretty good feel for whether somebody buys into that pretty quick. Mm. Ah, so they're already evaluating you. That's right. Well, you know, what I'm trying to get at is that you can more deeply leverage your hiring processes if you want to, you know, you, and then that, what that really does is it helps you bring people on board who are a right fit for your company. The people who find joy in serving and supporting others and people that are looking to fulfill a purpose of an organization, you know, Chick-fil-A's, we talk about their corporate purpose is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all they've been entrusted with and to have a positive influence on people. Now, you know, when you say they fulfill the true purpose of an organization, you know, that's one thing that I've done, is anybody I've ever worked for, any organization that's any size, I always find a book uh, that uh, was written by the founder of of the organization, and I want to know what his passion was. And I I can uh, gleam that passion, and that gets me started on a better journey to work in the organization. Yeah, because it gives you a clearer, you know... Understanding of what's... Yeah, of of what they hold important and, you know, kind of the direction they want to go. And, you know, I mentioned Chick-fil-A's corporate purpose because, you know, yeah, we're a restaurant and we serve food and you got to like working in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. But the higher calling, the, the real purpose is being a good steward and have positive influence on people. So what are some of the ideas you use in hiring the right people? So we're going to talk through three steps. Okay. And, um, you know, again, this is going to help you to hire the right people. Now, sometimes the right people, they can't do the job within your organization. Hmm. And we'll talk about that in, in section two. But at the very least, you hired right people. That's at least half the game right there. Mm-hmm. But... The first thing you have to do is you have to kind of reevaluate of, you know, what's your idea of a right person? You know, there's a lot of talk about the war on talent among organizations. We've talked about that. Absolutely. In fact, I think every day just about with Chick-fil-A, we get an email about it. But the problem is, is that when people refer to talent, they're talking only about their trade expertise. So right. industry-specific knowledge and know-how. Mm-hmm. Smart and innovative people can help you fulfill your business objectives. But if you want to cultivate, Larry, this leader, this uh, servant leadership culture, what you really need are people who are talented at developing their ability to serve. Mm-hmm. Right? You need people who are interested in cultivating not just their skills, but their character, not just what they do, but who they are. And when you cultivate that knowledge of interest in other people, the job comes so much easier. That's right. You know, I've noticed this in the past, Larry. I can hire people that have all the requisite trade experience. Uh, experience, expertise. Right, because you yeah. you must have come across a lot of people that have worked in the fir- food right. industry someplace. Yeah, and we talked about this with Patrick Lencioni's book about, 
the ideal team player. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I can find the skill set. Like I can find somebody who can run the kitchen amazing, who can run great numbers, who can add profit to the bottom line, but who are not emotionally intelligent and who do not care about being servant leaders. And those people in the long run, they'll add profit for a short term, but they'll cost you dearly with loss of people, constant rehiring, retraining, and in the end, they're not worth Okay. not worth it. Yeah. So to become talented at anything, you've got to be passionately interested in it. And so you have to find people, the right people are passionately interested so in what, serving. So what are the stories you're looking for of, of people that you're trying to hire? I, You know, I think you're just trying to find people that um, have passion already in their life that seem to align. Um, I ask outright, hey, listen, this is who we are. And we're not going to hide this. Do you feel like you can work in this environment? Because we mean it. Like mm-hmm. We're not just saying it. And if you're not going to serve others, you're going to be called on the carpet. Can you, can you live in this environment? Because then they have the opportunity to say, you know, this may not be the right place. You know? mm-hmm. um, but for every position in your company, you have to consider, are you employing people who are interested in becoming talented at servant leadership? Or are you just people that that need a job. Right, but you're not looking for people, not just looking for a job. That's right, yes, yes. You may need to make changes, really, in order to attract more servant leaders. You know, that's the, the thing. You know, we talk about hiring the right people. You, you may really have to make some changes in your interviewing and in your or, uh, organizational's intake. So how would you do that? So this leads to number two. Mm-hmm. You know, you really have to be very clear, very, I mean, you have to communicate very well your expectations and exactly what your leadership culture is like. And that's what you do. Yeah, that's what we try. That, that's really my role in the third interview. So mm-hmm. the first interview, it's all about requisite skill. Is this person smile? Um, do they seem to be well-rounded? Um, have they ever worked in food before? What do they know about Chick-fil-A? Who do they know that work here uh, already? Because normally if they've talked to somebody who works for us and they know our culture and they like it, it's a good sign that they're probably going to be a fit. My, my role is just to say, hey, here is exactly who we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I liken it to a family. You know, I say, I have four sisters. I love them always. I don't always like them, but I always serve them. This is a family. You're not always going to like the people that you work with. Sometimes you're going to have an issue with one of them, but you're always going to serve them and you're always going to treat them with honor and dignity and respect. And can you get behind that? Now, when you do this interviewing process, is this a day that you do the same three people? I mean, do you interview the same person in one day? Sometimes we were able to do that. A lot of times we're asking them to come back two and three times. Mm. And that's another, you know, somebody who's willing to do that normally is somebody who's excited about working and excited about working in your organization. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a couple months ago, an organization, um, they needed to hire a new director of human resources. And this organization had invested tons and tons of time into developing a culture of servant leadership. And they had experienced great feedback from their team and really positive business results. So when they were looking for this director of human resources, 
they definitely did not want to go backwards by making a mistake hiring such an important role. Well, I can understand that because the human resource person is the one you're going to meet. Well, not only that, they're the ones that are going to be, from that point forward, hiring the culture. Mm. So the executive leadership team knew that this new hire was critical to keeping the positive cultural change going. And to ensure that they brought on the right person, they changed some of their questions in their application. So Mm -hmm. they asked the applicants to put together kind of a portrait and they asked them to kind of talk about things like, hey, state, tell us what your clear statement and your life purpose is. Mm. Hey, talk about your values. Hey, who is on your leadership Mount Rushmore? Who are the people that you have been most influenced by? their leadership, and their ideas. Boy, I wish I would have had those questions asked me when I I, I, can, I was interviewing for a major corporation, and those questions never came up. Well, and, and, and I think that like the reason why this article um, really struck me was because I think I could add some of these questions to even some of the things that we do. Mm-hmm. Because then they kind of go on to talk about... Um, you know, talk about some pivotal points in your life, you know, whether they're positive or negative. Talk about things that shaped you um, because they they kind of knew that um, these things will shape fundamentally your approach to leading other people. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. Um, one of our leaders uh, suffered from Tourette's when he was in middle school. Oh, my. And it kind of came out of nowhere. And if you can imagine, middle school kids are kind of known to be pretty rude. Right. And so he had to live with that until they kind of were able to figure out a way to help him, um, you know, navigate around it. But to this day, he tends to be one of the most empathetic and caring leaders because that it changed him. It, I mean, it was a pivotal point in his life when he felt the disdain of some other people. And it's forever caused him to be a more empathetic leader mm-hmm. toward others. So, mm. um, anyways, but... These leadership portraits, they, they're really quite personal, and they lead people into a space of emotional vulnerability, and it allows you to kind of get a clear idea of why they're here on earth, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also gives you an idea on whether or not this person will fit your servant culture. Yeah. And each candidate has to present his or her own portrait, right? That's right. And then you can see which candidates' values most align with your culture, mm-hmm. you know, which is a pretty big filter. It's a pretty great thing to do. Um, and really, in a lot of times, it makes a decision for you and for them because they'll probably feel like this may not be the place for me. Can you imagine embedding this filter into a hiring process? Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah. this is what we're talking about here. This is the the aha moment. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, of course, you have to navigate around legalities. You can't ask them questions that are illegal or wrong, you know. But Right, but these questions about uh, that shape your life, purpose, values, personal leadership, you know, who, who leading you? That's right. The, the, what's wrong with those questions, yeah, right? Nothing. And I promise that if you you make, um, you know, these things part of your interview process, it's going to make your decisions easier. Um, you'll consistently be able to bring on the right people, and which really what they are is people with the heart and mind for service. Mm-hmm. So that's two, step two. And so step three is don't change who you are. That's right. So, you know, people are attracted to... Uh, who who people are they're attracted to their you know they can sense when you really care about something and the funny thing is 
um, people are attracted to a wide variety of people. You know, you can be an atheist. It doesn't mean that you're going to be not attracted to somebody who has a clearly defined faith. Mm-hmm. In fact, honestly, what I see is the things I learn from people on my staff that think differently than me, they're normally it's something, it's a benefit that I can get because I learned something about them. Um, and and vice versa. They're probably going to learn something from me, you know. And if we're flexible about it, if we're willing to hear other people's point of view and willing to not be ashamed of who we are, I think it's there's a huge benefit. So who is your leadership coach? My leadership model is really goes all the way back to the Bible. All right. So don't change who you are. Yeah, that's that's the third part, Larry. And, you know, this is what I've noticed about it is that people are attracted to companies and, and leaders for a wide variety of reasons. And honestly, you may offer a benefit that they need or a development that they want or the flexibility that makes their lives more manageable. And these offerings will bring good people to your door. And in return for these offerings, you can set a threshold on skills that you require in return. So the more valuable you're offering, the better your chances of attracting the right people. Yeah, but that's still getting the right people but are they are they emotionally involved that's that's, right. that's yeah. the question well and and we talk about this like you you mentioned don't change who you are so listen my spirituality is a big part of my life in mm-hmm. fact i think it's one of the most attractive forces in my uh, personality and what i mean by that is um we have people that work with us that are all denominations they're different religions they're no religions they're anti-religion they're you know we're all across the boards but it doesn't mean that they won't be attracted to somebody who has morals and ethics and values and we talk a lot about my spirituality at the store it plays out in treating people with honor and dignity and respect so why would i want to change that part of me no i'm not going to be demanding that people have to be the same but I'm not going to deny who I am. Okay. So what? how do you get a, get into this? So this is kind of talking about like, in a way, how do I invite my spirituality into my recruiting process? Right, yeah. right. So first, honestly, Larry, I'm a person who prays, and I am praying constantly that God sends me the right people. Um, so it's kind of like I don't have to do the hiring my own <laughs> on my own. I believe prayer works. And so I believe that a lot of times people that are coming into our store, they're already been kind of preordained, kind mm. of pre-interviewed. Uh, that makes oh, sense. wow. That's a good challenge. Yes. And then um, the, the other thing that we really work on, Larry, is we kind of had developed a practice of firing people only as, as a last resort. Firing people? Yeah, firing. Like, okay. So, you know, even if you're bringing in the majority of people and they're right people for your organizations, they might not be right a fit for the job itself. Mm-hmm. That's where you, the <clears throat> talent and transition kind of comes That's in right. too, right? Yeah. So sometimes the best thing, the kindest thing you can do for somebody is to let them go. But you have to do that right because at the end you still need to keep your reputation out on the street as positive as possible. Now, I know some people that you've let go or have gone and they always come back, right? So they, you know, what what I would say is they sometimes come back having learned um, something that makes them the right person the next time. 
Um, but most times they'll come back and they will have, uh, you know, maybe had success in another industry. Right. But they come back because they're thankful that we let had them. that relationship and we let them go in the right way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what? how can you draw energy and support for them, you know? Yeah. So, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, firing as a last result, um, as a last resort, and that, that keeps your reputation on the, out in the community pristine. Mm-hmm. And really what it does, it, it, it extends your company's servant leadership footprint far beyond your walls. Mm. And then there's this third area, and you mentioned it. So there is a community within your community of servant leaderships. And so you're able to draw energy and support from these people too. So for instance, it, it's okay for me to go to the school down the street or the college down the street and talk to somebody who uh, has uh, some you know, power within that organization and say, hey, here's kind of who we're looking for. Here's, mm. here's what we need to hire. These are the kind of people, these attributes. If you see this, can you kind of forward them on to our organization? Mm. So I think in that way, you're able to draw support, energy, and focus from community uh, leaders around you. And you can do this with churches, clubs, schools, colleges. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Even sometimes I'll meet a person who is portraying every attribute that I want in a person and they already have a job and they seem happy with it. So I'll say, hey, listen, if you have anybody that you know that's like you, mm. that's looking for a job, please send them to me because Normally, light attracts light. Right. So people that are a certain way tend to hang out with people that are a certain way. And they don't have to work on Sunday. <laughs> yes, which <laughs> that does help a lot. So building a culture of servant leadership requires a dream team of servant leaders. And that happens only when you have a process of hiring the right people. And this process is the only way to make... Uh, a servant culture, a reality. All right. So uh, hire the right people. That's right. Yes. And that's pretty much it, Larry. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, last week we talked about uh, hire, hiring servant leaders and identifying them. And this week you talked about actually just hiring people. That's right. Yeah. And then some maybe some steps to kind of reframe how you think. Yeah. So, okay. Now, before we go on, Larry, oh, yes. uh, last week you passed the test, but I'm going to keep asking you the question of what year it is. So uh, let me give you a couple things, and let's see if you can figure this out. You're going to drain my brain again? Yes, yes. So the first one is a record is set when 16 men simultaneously ride the same bicycle. (laughs) I I mean, come on. this is. I have no clue. You have no idea. Okay, Okay. so so let's get you in the proper decade, and I'm going to give you a hint here. Yeah. The Space Shuttle Challenger is launched for the fifth time. Whoa, whoa, what went, okay. Um, um, uh, I think I just came to Florida at that time. Right. That was like 1980s something. Okay, so now you're in the right decade. Okay. Terms of Endearment wins the Best Picture Oscar and four other Oscars at the 56th Annual Academy Awards. Oh, uh, and that was shot in Lincoln, Nebraska. Do you know that? No, I've not seen that movie. Oh, uh, well, it's you. a tearjerker. So Is it that, really? Yeah. yeah. So I don't think I could... Uh, okay, it had to be in the 80s, okay? Okay, right. Right after I left Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay, so let's go across the uh, globe here to Melbourne, Australia. Mm-hmm. Baby Zoe 
the first baby produced from a frozen embryo is delivered. Hmm. I remember the headline, but I don't remember the year. Okay. So okay. So let's go one more. I'm gonna we're gonna play a clip of a song here for you. All right, Larry. So this song was from a famous movie. It was from a movie called Footloose. Oh. Let's hear it for the boy by Denise Williams. It's number one on the U.S. Top 40 chart, where it stayed for two weeks. I, I got to go. So, ni- ni- 1985. 1985, right? Okay. So these were my glory years, Larry. It was oh yeah. 1984. Oh. And I graduated '86. I was. I was. You know, knee deep in my glory years, and you were dancing in the in the oh, dancing in sure. the aisles. Huh? Yeah, I I remember taking a, a girl to see Footloose. And oh, it was really? A, yeah, it was a very oh good movie wow. All right. Oh, well, thank you for challenging me. That's right. I I didn't get it right. I'm sorry. Well, you, but you're getting a lot closer I, I, than I did. So. Well, I'm sorry. I think I've I've too old. That's that what it I'm, is. I'm just too old. I think that way. So I'm I sorry. I think you have a better uh, memory for dates. Really? Yeah, because you're getting, at least you're getting pretty close. Well, yeah, but, you know, when the space shuttle goes up and you're down here That's and right. you see the thing go up for the first time, it's amazing. That's so, right, yes. So uh, thank you for joining us here on A Server's Journey. First, uh, we talked about hiring people. So what were those? Let's review that yes. just a little bit. So we're going to talk about reframing or re-understanding what we consider the right person to be. Second. We're going to develop a practice of only firing as a last resort. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of that is really built around maintaining a reputation. And then the third is drawing support and energy and focus from a community of servant leadership. Good idea. Hey, we want to thank ACS Creative for uh, supporting us here. That's right. We've been a big help. The big help, the big website. So check it out. And don't forget, on Tuesday, the server's journey comes out. So if you subscribe to the podcast, you can get it. So Rocky, until next time, I'm your ever-faithful companion, Larry. So can I do... uh, Rudolph to your Santa Claus because we just came out of the holidays. Is that yeah? All right, we're gonna do that one. All right, so uh, Larry, we are all on a journey here, and it's um, we believe it's how you serve uh, while you're in that role, and that's why every week we share with you a server's journey. As always, I'm Rocky Destefano. I want to thank you for joining us as together we become better leaders. 